welcome welcome and we're back it's been a while it's been a minute i'd say uh some shit's happened in the past year yeah a lot of things have changed it has been about a year since we did our last podcast today is december 8th 2022 we are in vale colorado yeah lewis came out to spend the better part of the week with me you're my first guest to like actually be staying in the house with me and living with us like i've had friends come out but they all were staying in airbnbs or living at their their parents house so it's been nice it's definitely a little weird yeah i've really gotten the inside scoop on yeah it's it, there's a lot that goes goes on with this there's a lot lot to it it's, it's strange having having you around at times but it's been working good yeah it's been fun but yeah we're in the Vale library right now trying to put together this podcast yeah the reason why we can't do it out of this house we got construction going on yeah <laughs> loud 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 let's just say a lot of banging makes it hard to sleep they start at 7 a.m yep can you hear it up in my room uh it's not too bad yeah that's good all right, let's let's freaking get into it. Threes in life, baby. Back at it. Threes in life. Back at it. Back at it. All right, I'm going to get started off with it. Three songs. Rakoma, my brother, showed me these songs, uh, Country and Get On by Rakoma. Worried About You by the Rolling Stones. And uh, Way Out by FKJ. FKJ. Man, FKJ is so good. He can put together some good beats. Uh, his sets are just fucking I love so it. killer. I mean, uh, he's just jack of all trades. He plays every instrument. Every instrument, every fucking... Oh, man, he's so cool. French Kiwi Juice is what FKJ stands for. French Kiwi Juice. Yep. What's the Kiwi? Like, I don't kiwi know. Kiwi from New Zealand? Like Maybe. I just know he's a French guy. Yeah. That's all I got. Three emotions. Uh, I'm very grateful. Very grateful. I, yeah, I'm just very grateful um, to have the friends that I have to what I have. Very excited for the future. I'm currently working on getting big boy jobs. And yeah, baby. I finished up my season of guiding and... Working on getting big boy jobs and... Growing up. Growing up. Working currently right now on studying uh, total knees and total hip replacements for my call tomorrow to see uh, if this is something that, you know, they're going to want me at, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's just people in the Bozeman area that have, uh, that have helped me uh, with people that they know and uh contacts that they've given me and one thing to the next i've uh i've had a couple of interviews here and there you know some things haven't worked out but it's you know one interview i'm glad that i just have interviews you know yeah you just it keep, takes one of them you know yeah and you keep getting better at them you yeah. know you, it's you, practice. you yeah it's practice exactly and you learn you learn a lot from the ones that don't accept you or yeah, and I Don't keep getting call you back or whatever. Keep getting feedback on my resume and just keep meeting people. Yeah, it's keep awesome. learning what's important on LinkedIn. Third emotion is uh 
not gonna lie, dude. It's hard. It's hard to be down here. But uh I know that you're doing Yeah. You're doing what you can. Yep. You're fighting so hard. Got to, you know. Yeah. Can't give up. Yeah. Definitely at times I yeah. want to. Yeah. But my brother always says this, it's like you ain't got anything better to do <laughs> than live. Yeah. There's no better choice, you know? Yeah. Like, what What are you going to do? Like, you got to do it. And it's a beautiful thing, but it's also, it's ugly at times. I mean, there's a silver lining in everything. Yeah. And uh, we'll find the silver lining in this eventually. It's early. Yeah. It's real early. Yeah. Six months, three days ago? Yeah. Six months. The new birth, you could call it, I guess. Yeah. New life. Yeah, before and after. It's like, crazy. It's like before Jesus and after Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, some of you guys have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, We'll get into it. Yeah, we're getting there. All right, Brian, three songs. You gotta give me three thoughts first. Uh, yeah, well, I kind of did that. I'm thinking about this crazy room. Hey, you into that, dude. We're in some uh, Harry Potter shit. Let's throw some shit on the... Some Harry Potter. On the Gallatin Valley effect Instagram Something about story. libraries. It always... They have this really unique vibe. It's a very tranquil vibe, I would say. But at times almost eerie. Just the amount of knowledge that's held in them. Welcome. This is the, uh... The birth of the Harry Potter room. <laughs> In or the, the Narnia, what's beyond that? <laughs> Veil Library. The door there. Yeah, so that's that's thought one, thought two, uh, this lovely lady that helped us out. Oh, she was so what nice. What was her name? Christina. Christina. And uh, thought three, we got some great snow. Oh, it's gorgeous out. Had a great breakfast sandwich this morning. It's fucking gorgeous. All right, Brian. Three songs. All right, this first one, I kind of got to go go out of the rules here it's not a song it's it's an artist that for a while there i was really struggling to get good sleep so i'd throw this artist on and just it'd play all night long and it's just like a beautiful bass with some just light guitarist but no vocals it's it helped me get sleep and they're called Krogben. And it really helped Krog me out. Band. Never heard of them. Yeah, they're, I think they're a Texas band. Okay. But it's just super smooth and steady and helped me get sleep. The next one is also not just a song, because I can't pick one, but Jack Johnson. I mean, the man just like... He's a legend. He healed me, healed my soul a little bit at times. And I actually went and saw him in concert yeah. back in September. It was fucking magical, let me say. The dude can put on a beautiful show. Yeah. And then the last one is a song. It's uh, Riders on the Storm by The Doors. Riders on the Storm. Dun, dun, it dun, just dun, has dun, always dun. got me, man. And I've been listening to that a lot. And honestly, recently I haven't been listening to a ton of music. Just because for a while there I literally had music 24-7. I had a vinyl collection going, listening to vinyls every day, which is sick. It is sick. I fucking love the vinyl. Three emotions I got. The first one, I'm definitely, I'm anxious. 
right now we're almost like i don't know my body's just buzzing a little bit i don't know if it's the fact that we're doing a podcast in a different location than we always have yeah and like we've always been in the comfort of of your dad's music room which is oh my god i miss that place yeah me too i would say i'm definitely grateful i'm grateful that i have friends like you that come down and are willing to like help out yeah and learn how it's going and i'm sure it's weird for you seeing me like this it's weird for me like having friends around like watching my brother like get me up or yeah stuff like that but i'm grateful that people are willing to help out and then third emotion i'm trying to find the word for it but i'm just like curious about what the future brings i guess yeah because i don't really know it's slightly excited slightly excited for sure yeah and it, it changes from day to day yeah from moment to moment at times of like sometimes i'm excited about what's gonna happen yeah in the future and other times i'm like nervous yeah nervous as hell and other times i'm just pissed off i'm curious right now okay as to what lies in my future and then three thoughts i got is first one this is more of a thought or a question for you what is it like helping me out i don't know dude it's like what is it like helping you out like how do you feel when you're helping me out or it's rewarding yeah right on like it it makes me feel good you know because i I know how much you appreciate it yeah like when i was feeding you that sandwich this morning i was like you know like i know this kid would do the same for me in a second and it's a little weird for me like like when you're feeding me the sandwich for example this morning i'm definitely sitting there i'm so grateful for it yeah and i'm like i can't believe i have friends that'll do this yeah but it's also like god damn like i don't want my friends fucking doing this yeah like this is not what i want to be doing you know yeah for sure i mean i was talking with eric about this you know like my brother's my best friend too yeah and at the flip of the switch we would both do this for each other yeah and that's just like it's just how it is yeah i'm so grateful to have eric yeah eric's the fucking man yeah yeah he's been been there the whole time yeah and i can't thank him enough yeah so shout out eric shout out to my brother and then another thought i got there's some sick art behind you some drawings of the library and i'm just thinking about when this library was built how small veil was back then like even 10 years ago how much smaller it was or 20 years ago and how i kind of miss that and then another thought i'm having right now we watched some fishing videos this morning yeah baja lines dude baja lines catching marlins on the fly rod and los locos gringos gringos it just gets me thinking about traveling around and trying to get back into the the things i grew up doing or the things i love doing you know yeah it's gonna be a journey but i'll get back into most of that stuff yeah yeah all right there's so, our check-in there's our check-in so what the so what happened six months ago damn so early june first of june me and 13 other good friends of mine 
all put in on the Colorado River for Cataract Canyon. And, wow, this is weird, dude. But I just don't know where to start. It's your story, man. We'll start wherever you want. So, yeah, the 13 of us put it on the river that day. And so Cataract Canyon's got like a huge lake section. Huge lake section. We're talking 50 miles of basically a lake. So most people bring a motor, tie all the boats together, together, and you motor down 50 miles, and you get to the rapid section, which is 15 miles of almost nonstop rapids. It's some of the most fun rapids I've ever encountered. And this was honestly my first time doing Cataract Canyon. And it you float through Canyonlands National Park. Absolutely stunning area. But Luce's room old roommate, Matthew, hooked me up with a motor. So I brought the motor down and we put in start the motor up, it's ripping. I go about a quarter mile down river to start tying boats together, and the motor just overheats. Shits the fucking bed. <laughs> and we're at the point where... How old is that motor? That's his grandpa's his motor. His grandpa gave it to him. And the funny thing is, the night before I left Bozeman to go to Cataract Canyon, we filled up a trash can and ran the motor in it to make sure it worked. Yeah. And it worked, but we didn't run it for more than... 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, we just wanted to make sure it turned on. So we're at the point of no return. I'm like, fuck. So we pull off and trying to figure it out have another group float by us and throw some ideas at us i have no fucking clue what i'm doing we're literally pulling this motor apart get to the point of destroying this motor pulling it apart basically like pull things apart that should not be pulled apart do not open the gearbox of it i guess y'all would call it It was like where the propeller was we open that and there's fucking oil starts coming out <laughs> and the gears are all in there. I was like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> so motor was toast. We had 50 miles of flat water. It's supposed to take you two days. And I'm thinking now, fuck, we got to row 20 miles a day of flat ass water. And I'm talking like lake. Yeah. And if any wind picks up, we're screwed. Yeah. And the morales are pretty low at this point. So to boost the morales, we're like, let's stick together. And so we tie all the boats together and we do the fucking Viking row. We have the boats tied together and each boat side by side, side by side, side by side. And everybody's just on the oars, dude, just fucking rowing. And we made good time. We made 20 miles before nightfall and we pull over, cook dinner. And for some fucking reason, we have this crazy idea. Let's just float through the night. So we hop on the fucking boat, keep floating, and me and my good friend Grant stay up all night just making sure we didn't hit rocks or canyon side, watching the stars, listening to bats. Floated all through the night, made it 50 miles in one day. Damn. In 24 hours, we floated 50 miles. That's, that's long. And to give you some perspective, like on the upper Madison, like a long float for me is like 12 miles. Yeah. And that river floats pretty fast. I mean, we... And I'm fishing, so like we're... You're, you're going slow when you're fishing. Yeah, but still. We were going forward most of the time, you know, like pushing ourselves. But it was a blast. It was something I will never forget. Yeah. And it definitely boosted the morales. 
but staying up all night just destroyed me, dude. Yeah. I fucking slept for... And that was night one? Yeah, the first place we... Yeah, that was night one. Pulled off, made breakfast, flowed down to campsite, mm-hmm. and I just slept all day, all night. Wake up the next day and it's rapid section. And there's nerves when you're going into rapids, yeah. as always, you know? But these are big rapids. We're talking... We were at 29,000 CFS, so a lot of fucking water. That's a lot of water. And big rapids, so there's a lot of nerves. And for the most part, it went smooth. Yeah. Through all, the whole 15 miles, it went really smooth. The biggest problem was my boat. I was the first boat down, and I was looking ahead trying to see the b- main part of this rapid, and all of a sudden, I look over, and there's a pour-over. I'm going right over this pour over and I drop into this thing and it's a huge pour over. And initially boat sideways, hole grabs us and we're, we're going over. We're flipping. Luckily me, my buddy Reese was in the boat and this kid Brad was in the boat with me. We all high side, keep the boat from flipping, but then it rips us back in and Brad gets sucked out of the boat and just swims this whole rapid. While me and Reese continuously get surfed in this hole for about a minute and a half. Damn. Two minutes, just literally about a flip every 10 seconds. (laughs) And eventually we pop out. Fucking wildest ride you can ask for. Yeah. Brad was okay, luckily. I felt, I felt really bad. Shout out to you, Brad. Shout out. That was, that was a hell of a swim, my dude. (laughs) I'm sorry I put us, put you in that situation. But, uh, we get through get through the rapid section clean you know and once you do that dude the stoke is high yeah you know people are fucking amped up yeah and we're in the deepest part of the canyon it's gorgeous drinking beers smoking some weed some some tobacco you know yeah you know we're just partying at this point and we finally get to this one camp it's a tiny little camp, small little beachy area surrounded by tamarisk and whatnot. And I'd eaten some mushrooms earlier that day with a bunch of the rest of the crew. And, you know, stokes are high. Yeah. So we get to the camp, kind of get stuffed on pack, and then we're just romping around in the sand, you know? Yeah. Having a blast, playing in the water. And it's strange. Like in the water, there's this shelf in the water it's all sand but it's like thigh deep Mm -hmm. hip deep water you know and it goes out 30 feet okay 40 feet all almost exact same level you know yeah so it's a cool little little campsite we're in like great just swimming romping around little area yeah and the beach kind of has this tapering like tapering shelf of sand so, like, where the boats are at, sand meets the water perfectly, like, smooth entrance. But as you keep going up the beach, it kind of builds up this sand shelf, and it gets taller and taller and taller, up to maybe two, three feet almost. Yeah. At the farthest edge, you have, like, this three-foot sand ledge, and it just looks so tempting to jump off, you know? But you got, like, super shallow water. And we were kind of jumping off of it, but just, like, you know, just small jumps and just jumping into your, onto your feet and whatnot. And we're just running around in the water, stoked. 
looking up at these huge cliff faces, just in love with it, you know? And my buddy Grant was jumping in, and I'm just stoked. I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking jump in. So I get out of the water, I run up onto this beach, and my buddy Shepard, well, at the very beginning of the trip, my buddy Adam, who does a ton of boating, his, he always says, I got one rule, no diving, no diving. And I, I totally agree with it. And then as I'm running out of the water up onto the sand shelf, Shepard, he says, don't dive, feet first. And then my brother says, don't dive. And I knew not to dive. And I start running to jump off this shelf. And for some reason, like right before I jumped, my body was just like, or my brain was like, oh, you can fucking dive. And like the mushrooms were just like, got me. I'm high as fuck at this point. Yeah. Not high as fuck, but high on life, you know? Yeah. I'm not like wig, like seeing shit everywhere kind of high, but I'm just like ridiculously high on life. And two steps before I jump, I'm like, oh, I'm diving. I can do this. Like I can do it. I've done shallow dives before. Yeah. And you just got to basically belly flop, but just a little less, you know? And I jump and go for a beautiful dive. I hope it looked beautiful. Into the water and then just smacked the bottom. And it's it's black, you know? I don't get knocked out. Huge pop. And I just think, oh, I just hit my face on the water, you know? Yeah. And I start floating up, coming up to the surface. And as I'm coming up, like, my eyes are open at this point because I just, I hit fucking hard. I want to, like, get up and get some air. And I'm coming up. And as I'm coming up, there starts to be light in the water and it's kind of getting lighter and lighter. It's like an orange lightness, you know, because it's super muddy water. And I finally get to the point of, I'm at the surface, and I try to, like, roll over to get air, or, like, stand up to get air, so you can fucking stand, and nothing's working, and I'm just face down in the water, just bobbing, and I'm, like, trying really hard, and eventually I realize, oh, fuck, like, I can't, I can't move anything, so I start, I'm able to shake my head, and I'm shaking my head, and right then, my brother grabs me and rolls me up, I get air, and the first, I just say, yell help and then i slip out of his hands and then shepherd and eric grab me out real quick roll me up i get air my buddy grant was in the water grabs me and they got me out of the water and they dragged me up onto the beach and i'm laying there on the beach just shocked like my body's numb and pulsing and at first i'm just thinking oh it's just it's just i'm just high like I just hit my head hard like I'm fine, you know, and they kind of dragged me higher up out of the water, get me laying flat, and as I'm laying there, I slowly start to realize, like, something's not fucking right, something's not right at all, like, I can't move anything, my whole body has this warm, pulsing tingle going through it, the strangest feeling you've ever experienced, but... I'm so proud of everybody I was there with. Like, we were all partying, you know? But we all sobered up real quick. Yeah. Luckily, we had a sat phone. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're 20 miles still from the takeout. The takeout's still four hours from maybe cell service at this point. And at that point, we're 
hours and hours away from a hospital, you know. So we get on the sat phone, get in touch with or hit the SOS button. They ask what's wrong. My buddy probably just broke his back, broke his neck, you know. And they're like, okay, cool. Tell us where you're at. Send them the information. And they're like, all right, we'll send a helicopter your way. But there's no guarantee they're going to be able to get into the canyon where you're at. Or let alone land on the beach you're on. Because it's, it's a tiny beach. Narrow canyon. Tall, tall walls. And I'm just laying there. And they, everybody's laid me onto this table. Flat table. Keep everything straight and flat. They put pillows on the side of my head and strapped my head down. Yeah. Like, they were doing great work. Luckily, my buddy Grant had just taken a WEMT, yeah, Wilderness EMT. So he was he was prepared for this, and I'm just thankful for everybody that was there to help stabilize me and keep me sane through those first few moments. But I remember just lying there, looking up at the canyon walls, the clouds, the moon was up above and then just having everybody's faces just looking down on me it was beautiful but it was terrifying at the same time and then after about an hour laying there you hear and this helicopter comes flying over us through the canyon goes past us turns around and comes back and luckily was able to land, landed 30 feet away from me, 40 feet away from me. Sand is just nuking everywhere. Flying everywhere. It's insane. And I felt such a relief when they got there to have like professionals all of a sudden. Yeah. Tijuana Hooker. Tijuana Hooker. That's the name of the helicopter. What a beautiful name. But they got out and came over to my side and we're so comforting they just made me feel like i was in good hands i was gonna be safe and so they they slid me over onto one of their boards asked me a bunch of questions you know like can you feel this can you feel that can you move this can you move that yeah and they got me all situated and loaded me into the helicopter i would kept telling them like i want my brother to come i want my brother to come like i don't want to be alone and they're like Dude, the helicopter's way too small. You're barely going to fit in this <laughs> fucking thing. I'm like, shit. So I got to go alone in this helicopter. Yeah. And I'm high. I'm still very high at this point. But I'm also got like some crazy adrenaline going on. Yeah. There's just a lot going on at this point. Yeah, no shit. And or what I remember most is just looking around at how beautiful the sunset was and the sky and everything around me was at that point. And I just remember as they put me in the helicopter, everybody on the trip like coming up to me and like saying farewell or, or whatnot, see you soon kind of stuff. Hopefully at that point, none of us knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And that shit was tough, man. Like leaving everybody. That was tough. And like having to, say goodbye to all these people that I love and care about 
Yeah. Not knowing what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That was brutal. But uh, we take off in the helicopter. First time ever flying a helicopter. So I was kind of stoked about that. (laughs) Not stoked on the circumstances. Not stoked on circumstances, but you always got to try to find the bright side of it, you know? Yeah. And I got to fly in the helicopter, which was pretty sick. I didn't get to look around a whole lot. Yeah. Some kind of fucking... You're a little strapped down. I'm pinned down. (laughs) I remember in the helicopter, I'm like sitting there. I'm like really trying to move my thumb. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking moving. I look over with my eyes like this and I, I yell. The dude's name is Jake that helped me out. I'm like, Jake, Jake. But he's got the headphones on. So I yell really loud. He's like, what? Are you okay? I'm like, am I moving my thumb? And he's like, no, you ain't, son. And that's when it hit me. I was like, fuck, this is bad. Yeah. But we fly 45 minutes, maybe an hour to Grand Junction. Which is where? That is far western slope of Colorado. Okay. It's maybe... I want to say like... Like 200 miles west of Denver? It is... Yeah. Word. 230 or whatever. It might be 15 miles from the border of Colorado, Utah. Go to St. Mary's. And I remember him pulling me out of the helicopter and put me on like the hospital gurney. And looking up, it's cloudy. Yeah. Everywhere. But there's one opening and the only thing I see in that opening is the Big Dipper. Like, it was perfect. Like, the opening in the clouds was perfect to open up for just the Big Dipper. Yeah. And for some reason, for me at least, whenever I look up to the night sky, if I'm, like, lost, you know, or don't know where I'm at, if I see the Big Dipper, it always makes me feel at home. Yeah. Or, like, I'm okay or I know where I'm at. So, I get out and I see the Big Dipper and I'm just like, okay, like, we're good, like... Still here. We're going to be fine. Yeah. You want to do a a lean back? Yeah. Yeah. And they wheeled me into the hospital from there. And that shit was terrifying. Being all alone in this hospital and rolling down the aisles, just staring up at the ceiling. That's something I've noticed a lot is the amount of time I've spent looking up at the ceiling. Because I've spent a lot of time laying in hospital beds. A lot of time getting rolled around in hospital beds. A lot of time going from one hospital to another hospital through like this underpass. Just staring at different ceilings. And it's fucking boring. Really boring. But each ceiling is unique, I guess. But so they roll me into the the ER room, I guess you'd call it. And doctors everywhere. Doctors, nurses. It's just chaos. People running around. Asking me questions, holding my hand. You know what level hand. trauma center this is? Like how big of a hospital is Grand Junction? Oh, St. Mary's, it's a big hospital. Okay. I would say it's probably the biggest hospital on the western side of Colorado. Okay, so not like Denver, but like big. No, but it's big. And they're cutting shit off of me. Cutting my bracelet off, cutting my shirt off. And just, there's pillows. They're taking these pillows away. Get me from bed to bed, different bed. I mean, I met in the first, like, two hours of this, I probably met over 30 different nurses yeah. and doctors. And I'm just overwhelmed. I'm high. Still. And I'm just like, 
at sh- in shock, you know? Yeah. And I'm alone. They take me in to get a CAT scan. And I remember laying in the CAT scan just horrified. Just absolutely horrified. And the only thing that kept me calm was there's little paint chips. I mean, I'm talking tiny paint chips inside the CAT scan. And they looked like the stars. They just looked at them and I was like, okay, just think they're stars. Think of them as stars. Pull me out of the CAT scan. Take me back to this this room I'm in. Are we middle of the night now? It's probably... 10 o'clock at night maybe okay and the main doctor i would say comes in and he's like okay son like look you have paralysis you're paralyzed and you can't move anything you broke your c5 it's completely destroyed we're gonna have to go into surgery and i just look at him i'm like i need to call my parents let me talk to my mom and dad he's like okay he comes back like five minutes later. He's like, I just talked to your mom and dad. And I'm like, I no, I want to talk to him. Like, put me on the phone right now. And he's like, no, like, I, I'm not going to do that right now. We got to get you into surgery and everything. And I'm like, I want to talk to him. He's like, you'll get to talk to him. And I'm like, no, I want to talk to him now. They're in Baja. Or so I think, because then he says, you'll get to talk to him and they'll be here in five minutes. I'm like, what? And so it just so happened that right when I broke my neck, they were getting on their plane in Baja. And it just so happened their flight was going from Baja to Grand Junction. Oh, damn. So they landed in Grand Junction about, I don't know, an hour after I landed in Grand Junction. So they show up. I mean, the timing here is unreal. It's some higher power shit right there. Yeah. And I was so thankful for this because... I was able to see him, tell him I'm okay, like, it's going to be fine. And they're able to, like, help me through it, too. And then it just so happened, too, one of the best neurosurgeons was at St. Mary's. He travels around, but he was at St. Mary's this day. Just so happens. Damn. And so they throw me into surgery. How long of a surgery? Dude, it's a fucking blur, but I'd say, like, six hours. Okay. And so what they did is they go in, going through the front, just to the right of my like esophagus, make maybe like a three inch incision there. I don't know how they go from here and get all the way to the neck. It's beyond me. They do that. They go in and they threw a bunch of screws in to my neck. They were going to fuse my C4 through C6 together. But first they had to go in and clean up the C5 and get it put back together. So this was going in through the front was to stabilize everything so that they could like roll me over. Yeah. So once they did that, then they rolled me over and put like a eight to nine inch incision. Yeah. On the back of your neck. On the back of my neck and threw a plate in with four more screws. Yeah. Fused the C through C4 through C6 together. And that was the surgery. That was the first surgery. So then I come out of that laying in the ICU and I'm struggling to breathe. I like am having a really hard time breathing. Yeah. And so they had to intubate me for the surgery. Yep. But then they take it out and I'm struggling to breathe. So they intubate me again. It's like, I mean, I'm like, I'm dying. Yeah. You know, they intubate me again. And after about a day of that, they realized it ain't getting better. And then I got 
mucus build up in my lungs. My right lung is completely filled. Like, just completely filled. Then they go into surgery again and put a trach in me, which is the best way I can describe it. It looks like your finger if it's, like, bent. Mm -hmm. Maybe the size of your pinky. Yeah. This tube that they stick into your airway. Into your trachea. Into your trachea, and that's why it's called a trach. And they hook you up to a vent that breathes for you. Yep. And I learned later that some people have to live their whole lives like this. And never come off the ventilator. And it's usually people in the C3 through C5 range that have to do this. Or I guess C1 to C5. So, like, there's a chance I'm going to have to live my life like this. And I find out I have pneumonia because when I dove in, I probably inhaled some water when I first smacked the ground. So, like, my right lung is just, like, filled with mucus at this point. So they go do go in and do a, a brachia or a brachostomy. I don't know. They stick a tube with a Brachiotomy? Camera. Yeah. Stick a tube with a camera down through the trach into your lungs and start sucking this mucus out, these mucus plugs. Yeah. And it's the grossest shit ever. Like, I'm coughing. I'm not coughing. They're sucking mucus out of my trach nonstop you know and it's just nonstop mucus flow at this point struggling to breathe there's times where even with the trach i can't get air going so built into the trach there's this little suction rod that they it's in a sleeve and they slip it down through your trach and you feel it going down into your lungs and it goes down into your lungs a little bit and it sucks out the mucus plugs it is the most uncomfortable feeling having something wiggling around your lungs, but it does make all the difference. You go from not being able to breathe to being able to, to being able to have a fresh air. Yeah. And it's amazing. Let me tell you though, dude, when they put this trach in, they like put me under, but for some reason I wasn't like fully under, like I was eyes closed out, you know? But when this doctor was putting the trach in, I could feel really most of it. And it felt like he was had his fucking foot on my chest, shoving this tube into my throat. Jesus. And it was going it felt like it went like a millimeter every time he pushed. And it felt like he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I went to fucking some dark shit at that moment like yeah it was like i was dying it felt like like it was the images i was having in my brain during that point were just like it was like i was at hell's gate yeah basically at this point and it was the most miserable feeling i've ever experienced this whole trach deal lasted two months and for these two months the first month i couldn't breathe on my own you think that's the worst of it? I wasn't able to eat any food. I wasn't able to drink water for a fucking month. I didn't have a single sip of water. Wasn't able to talk. Wasn't able to talk. I mean, everything was stripped away. I was all up in my brain. Yeah. But looking back at it. What'd you learn? That's kind of where I learned a lot. Because I'm kind of just stuck in my head. And 
I think it helped me long term because it helped me have to work through what had just happened because I had nothing else to do. I was literally stuck in my brain. I couldn't couldn't have conversations with people. I think there was three people over that month that I was able to like talk to because they could read my lips well enough. One of them was my brother. Thankfully, he was good at reading lips. He became my translator for the nurses. Because, like, without that, there were some nurses had no fucking clue what I needed. And I'd never met these people in my life. And they come in, and they're trying to do stuff to me, take care of me, and I can't tell them what to do or express how I'm feeling. I literally got to the point of, like, those are, like, the noises I can make. Like, I needed somebody's help, I'd be like, is absurd but i cherished the few nurses that i could have conversations yeah with. like there's a few of these nurses that could read my lips well i would take that opportunity i would just talk to them yeah shout then, out uh gina shout out to gina was one and amanda amanda but i was in the icu for 10 days okay and this shit's a blur to me like a bunch of my friends from bozeman came and visited me Everybody from the river trip came and visited me. And I I hate to say it, I barely remember any of that. Like, I was drugged out of my mind at this point. Yeah. I remember Naked and Afraid was on the TV a bunch. <laughs> I don't know why. And then I remember watching the first Stanley Cup playoff game. Or the first Stanley Cup championship game with the Avs and the Lightning. With Jimmy Pope and his lovely girlfriend, Amina. Those are kind of my only two, like, real memories from all that. I do remember wearing a wizard hat. I remember that picture. And I think it might be mostly because of the picture. Yeah. But I remember that. But after 10 days, I somehow got into Craig Hospital, which is top-tier spinal cord injury hospitals slash rehab hospitals in the world. Yep. Probably top five. Yep. And... Most people, there's a waiting list to get into this place. Some people take two months being in ICU to get into Craig. And somehow I was got in 10 days. But so to get me there is either five and a half hour drive on I-70, which is just mountain passes, turns, shit roads, or like a 30-minute flight in a jet. So they hook me up with this jet. And I'm thinking, oh, hell yeah, this... Sit, I'm gonna be in a private jet. This is gonna be sick. We get to this thing, it's tiny as fuck. <laughs> you can't even stand up in this thing, and it's barely wide enough for two seats. Like, you can't, there's hardly even an aisle to walk up and down. And I'm in this jet, and I remember on takeoff, this was pretty cool for me. Because on takeoff, it was such a steep takeoff, and I'm laying with my head towards the front of the plane. It felt like I was standing. Really? And I was like, oh, this is sick. Was Eric in the PJ with you? Yeah, he was in it with me. We were rolling. We had the aviators on, you know. Oh, nice. Gotta keep it fresh out here. <laughs> um, But this jet ride fucked me up. Really? Going over the mountains, the turbulence is just ridiculous. I mean, something I've never experienced. Plane just like dropping and fucking getting thrown left to right. I'm about to throw up. Yeah. And if that happens, bad news, bad news, because I can't like roll over and like, yeah, 
And luckily, the jet's fast enough that we get over the Rocky Mountains in about like five fucking minutes. But then when we land, it's 105 degrees. And we're on asphalt, flat fucking runway. And they're transferring me from the airplane to the ambulance. And I'm just getting roasted alive. I can literally just lay there, feel my body just burning up. Get in the ambulance and we get to Craig Hospital. And I have a fever of 102.5. Oh, Jesus. And they roll me up, get me into my room, and it's fucking chaos again. There's nurses everywhere trying to get make sure I'm okay, like sucking mucus out of me. So they have these uh this thing called the Hoover. Yeah. This cough assistant. They unhook the vent from your trach. They hook this thing up. What it does is it blows air in. And then sucks really hard. So it would blow all this air into my lungs. And then it would suck and it would suck this mucus out. And it's maybe like a 10-inch tube to this filter. That's like the size of maybe a tennis ball. I filled three of these things up in the matter of like 10 minutes with mucus. It's a lot. It's a lot of fucking mucus. And this, this guy that's doing it, his name is Guy. He's a respiratory therapist. He's stoked. He is stoking on the mucus. He's like, I'm going to fix you up. We're going to get you good, kid. But I'm still burning up. And wow. I can still remember it, dude. Just laying there in all the chaos. And this girl comes walking in. Her name's Gina. Shout out to Gina again. But she's kind of like, in a sense, my saving, saving grace at this point. And she's just making sure I'm comfortable, feeling great. She's literally running all over the hospital, getting me fans, getting me pillows, getting me ice, and just like trying to cool me down and just stabilize me. And a huge thanks to Gina because... Thanks, Gina. You helped me more than you know. I'm so grateful for you. But... That was the start of my Craig experience. And I mean, this place is amazing. It's a beautiful place, what they got going on at Craig. Helping so many people out. They have spinal cord and brain patient or brain trauma patients there. And the amount of progress people makes is insane. And it's so cool to see it, even from my perspective. Like, I met so many people and got to watch them progress and watching myself progress it's really cool but when i'm at craig they're trying to get you back to normal in a sense that may not be walking you know but they're trying to get you in a chair get you moving around get you strong again so they start getting me up in a power chair and which is what you're in right now yeah that's what i'm in right now just like electric chair drive it with your hand some people have it's called sip and puff. And this is how I started because I didn't have enough strength in my arms. But you have this straw that comes around and it's like hard puff. You start driving forward. Hard suck. You start going backwards. Light puff. You go left. Damn. Light suck. You go right. And let me tell you, man, I hit some fucking wall doing this shit. <laughs> Nurses are like, chasing me down because i'd i would just give it a hard puff and a hard puff so i'm going pretty fast and i try to turn 
and I would just fucking turn into a wall. <laughs> and but so I'm getting up in the chair maybe four or five hours a day. Yeah. And it's a week into this, and I get a pressure sore. And this is something I never even thought about. Like I thought, okay, my neck's broken. I can't walk. I'm going to figure it out. Like the worst thing is I can't walk. The hardest thing is I can't walk. And honestly, now that is not the hardest thing in my opinion. I think the hardest things are taking care of like your, your bowel movements, like pooping and pissing. That shit's just kind of always there and just kind of a nuisance. And like, it just takes up so much time. Yeah. And then the other thing is skin. You never think about it, but you have to worry so much about taking care of your skin because all I'm doing is sitting down or laying in the same position. So you get what's called a pressure sore, which is when there's too much pressure in one spot for too long on the skin that it cuts off the blood circulation to the skin. So it blocks off like your blood capillaries Mm -hmm. and so like if you get like a red mark on your leg from something laying on it too long or like when you wake up in the morning and your belly is the sheet marks yeah that's kind of a pressure sore yeah but it's a light one and if you touch it it'll turn white yeah and then go back to red yeah and that means you're still getting blood flow through it but then in my circumstance you could sit in the same spot and get this pressure sore and it'll get to the point where no blood's flown to the skin and it just kills the skin. So then your skin starts to turn dark red. It'll start to turn black. And if it gets really bad, it will eat away at your skin. Your skin will open up, start deteriorating away. Then it becomes an ulcer. Right? Yeah. And then your muscle will start eating away. Fat will start eating away. Yeah. It can get disturbingly bad. But so five days into being at Craig, I got one on my tailbone. And because I'm already a bony person, yeah, even bonier now, they put you on bed rest, which is fucking hell. I mean, I had to lay in bed, not getting out of bed for three weeks. And when you're in bed, you have to be turned. It's not just laying there. Every two hours throughout the whole day, they're coming in and rolling you from one side, stuffing pillows in, keeping you up off of the bed. Two hours later, they roll you to the other side, stuff pillows in. I mean, in the middle of the night, they're doing this shit. Like, every two hours, you're getting woke up. It sucks so much. And then you got COVID, right? That was way later on, too. Oh, okay. But I did end up getting COVID. But I mean, at this point, I'm getting turned at night. I have the trach. I can't breathe sometimes. Oh, you still have the trach? I still have the trach at this point. Oh, fuck. I can't talk. I can't eat. I can't drink. And I can't get out of bed. Like, I'm fucking as low as shit gets right here. I mean, I'm barely alive. I got to feed me and give me water. They put this thing called a G-tube in. Yeah. Which goes, like, right below your ribs, straight into your stomach. It's this tube that goes in. They're pumping this brown milkshake looking goo into you pumping water they're pumping meds into this hole you got that tube you got an iv hooked up to your other arm to give you more fluids 
you got your trach tube. And I mean, I'm just like, at this point, I'm I'm literally just a a head. Yeah, there's nothing to me but a head at this point, basically. How many days in are you? This lasted about three weeks, so now I'm a month in. Okay. Of dealing with this stuff, and they finally let me start getting up in a chair. It's not just like, okay, you're out of bed, you can be in a chair all day. Your body's been laying down flat, not moving. They sit me up in a chair. I I about pass out. Yeah. Like my heart at this point, my muscles inside of me, like diaphragm is weak. Lungs are weak. Heart's weak. Because it's all just been laying flat. No movement at all, you know. So they sit me up. Blood pressure drops. You about pass out. So they only let you sit up two hours a day. Also because of your pressure sore. They don't want the seat to make the pressure sore worse. And it's maybe four, five days okay. of me sitting up. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm having shit tons of visitors, bro. Like, every day there's visitors. Weekends, I'm having 12 people in my room. And it's nonstop. And it's five days into me getting off a of bed rest. And I'm exposed to COVID through one of my visitors. Craig freaks out because... I'm just starting to get off the trach. Yeah. To do that, they wean you off of it. Yeah. So they'll unhook the trach and it allows you to breathe or unhook the vent and it allows you to breathe on your own. Mm -hmm. But they only let you do that for an hour a day and then two hours a day and then four hours a day and they slowly bump it up. So I'm starting to do this, starting to get in the chair and I'm exposed to COVID. Craig freaks out because they're like, we got other people on the trach. You can't expose them to it. We don't want you to die because of this shit. So I have to go into quarantine, 10-day quarantine. Not allowed to see anybody all of a sudden. Barely able to get up in my chair. And now I'm locked in my room. You don't even have it. So I already haven't left my fucking room. Yeah. Because I've been in bed. Now I can't even leave the room because of COVID. Never got COVID. Never got it. So I've been here a month now. Yeah. I've been in the hallway for maybe 20 minutes total. Oh, it's brutal. Other than they took me to Swedish, which is adjacent hospital. And there's like an underpass for Craig to get over to Swedish, which is like more of like a standard hospital. So they take me over there for x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs. That's my only experience getting out of my room this whole time is getting wheeled over to this other hospital so they can do tests on me. And... It's just hell, dude. Like, I've done nothing for the past month at this point. Haven't been outside. When did it start getting better? So my birthday is July 15th. And I get out of COVID July 13th, maybe. Okay. Out of quarantine. No, I got out the 10th. So that week was when it started getting better because I was finally able to be up in my chair for four hours a day. And my birthday was coming up, so a bunch of visitors came. Craig didn't recommend visitors at this point because I just got out of quarantine. I was like, no. Fuck them. I'm going to have visitors. I, I'm not I'm not doing this isolation shit, man. And so we have a birthday party, and I get to go outside. A bunch of friends are there, and it definitely made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Boosted morales a ton. Got me going. Yeah, and I just kept getting in the chair longer and longer. 
they kept getting me more and more off the vent. Finally got to the point where it's called red capping, where you just have the trach there for them to suck mucus out of your lungs. Because I'm still getting tons of mucus, man. Yeah. Like, this whole time, tons of mucus. There's a few times I couldn't breathe. And like, maybe hooked up to a pulse ox to see your oxygen level. What was it at? Right now, we're sitting at like normally 95, 92. Once it drops below 90, they worry. Once it drops below 80, they freak out. Once it hits 70, they're like, oh, fuck. I was probably like 68 area. Jesus. Like, my brother told me in ICU I hit like 45 at one point. Like, they're like, oh, he's fucking good dropping. Yeah. But there's one time my mom was in the room, just her and the vent tube filled up with condensation. So there's too much water. And there's like a dip in the the tube. All the water collecting, all of a sudden I'm not getting any airflow in. And I'm just looking at my mom shaking my head because I can't talk. And I'm just shaking my head. She starts freaking out, presses the emergency button. Fucking 10 nurses are in there in a matter of like 10 seconds. It's insane, dude. And all they do is just pick the tube up, the water drains out, and I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, they get me on the red cap, so I'm finally able to breathe by myself. They let me start eating. That was that's the kind of when shit started getting yeah. better. I was like my birthday week. They're like, okay, you can eat now. And they do this crazy thing. It's called the swallow test. They take you to this x-ray room. And they set this x-ray up that looks like laterally through your head and through like your esophagus. So it's like looking side view at you. And they feed you different things. And you're watching this screen, watching yourself through x-ray eat these objects and like applesauce swallow some water here's a cracker here's some cheese and it's the weirdest shit that sounds good right now and this was the first time i'd seen the plates in my neck too oh damn and i'm looking at this shit and I'm freaking out because I'm seeing the skeleton of myself yeah, with, with these, these huge, huge screws and plates. Those are going to be there for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, they ain't coming out. Yeah. But yeah, then they let me eat and drink whatever I wanted. And that's when I was like, fuck yes. Pizza. I'm back, baby. <laughs> and the first meal I had, I ate this food, dude, and I got overwhelmed. Like, it was too much flavor going on. <laughs> I like... My body freaked out almost, you know? I haven't tasted anything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I have this, like, super rich pasta and pizza. Yeah. And there's so many flavors. My body just, like, I literally couldn't eat it because it was too much. So, I had to just go to basic shit at first. Yeah. The next day, I ordered breakfast. I just got, like, eggs, hash browns, and toast. Yeah. Just, like, OG stuff. Yeah. And just slowly worked my way up. And then I got addicted to chocolate man oh so addicted but that's kind of when i finally started feeling a lot better because i remember on my birthday my dad cooked up elk tenderloin and some brats and i was pretty stoked i was living living it up then it's weird having your birthday in a hospital though yeah that shit's different man and i mean i've always spent my whole life like running around outside and this was like the first summer the most outside time i spent 
up to now was they have this tiny garden at Craig. I mean, tiny, 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 tiny. They have this little garden, and I just go sit in there, watch like bees buzz around, squirrels run up and down trees. I would just sit there, tilt back, stare up at the, up through the leaves, up at the clouds. That was kind of my therapy. It's not a lot, but it's better than staring at the ceiling of a hospital room, without a doubt. So once I started getting more freedom by being up in the chair more, being out and about, I got lucky enough I got to go to a, a Rockies game. And this this was special to me because it was me and my brother that got to go. And we grew up going to Rockies games all the time. Like we had season tickets growing up. So it was beautiful getting to go back. Definitely weird being in a chair, but it's cool. You're walking, you're rolling around, and people are so helpful and so nice to you. Do people stare at you? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, man. It's weird, but I also get like, this is super weird. I've been to some Broncos games, too. For some reason, people feel like they can just come up and just give me high fives and what tap me on the chest and be like, go Broncos. Random fuckers. They don't do it to anybody else. <laughs> they just come up to me and do it. I'm like, don't. What? Go Broncos, baby. I sure, man. <laughs> um Yeah, I was at a Broncos game and the, it was we were playing the 49ers. A 49ers fan comes up to me, slaps me in the hand. I'm just literally sitting here, hand just dangling cuz I like to dangle my hand. <laughs> he hits me in the hand, gives me a fist bump. He's like, "Yo, what up, man?" I'm like, "Oh, not much, just loving this shit." Just dangling. And then he's has a little like maybe eight-year-old son and he taps his son on the shoulder he's like give this man some respect and this kid gives me a fist bump i'm like what the hell what but whatever man i think the coolest thing about being out in crowded places is you literally can just part people yeah like parting the like sea part the, bro. part the red sea it is insane man like I'll be rolling through the most crowded spots and people just fucking stop and move away. It's pretty sick. But right after this Rockies game, I start feeling sick like two days after. Well, not like 24 hours actually. I feel like I'm getting strep throat or like a cold, you know? Yeah. So they test me for COVID strep throat. And sure enough, they come in like, yep, you tested positive for COVID. Like fuck me, dude. Like it's been two weeks since I just got out of quarantine, bro. Two weeks. And sure enough, I gotta go right back into quarantine. So I'm locked in my fucking room again. At Craig. At Craig. And this is it's not a big room. Yeah. It's a decent size though. But I just spent ten days in this room. And there were some rough days where I was sick as sick as a dog, you know? Yeah, I remember. And I'm I'm barely able to breathe. There was one point where I definitely thought I wasn't going to make it. And I was over it. I was in so much pain. I couldn't breathe. I'm coughing up massive loogies. I mean, I'm talking like huge, like fill your mouth with just gross, gnarly gunk from in your lungs. And... I just remember pacing back and forth in my room. I had a great room. In your chair? 
in my chair. I had a great room because it looked right into like the main square Craig or like the main center where everybody hangs out. So I'd roll up to the window. I'd people watch. I'd roll back over and I'd like this mirror. I'd look at myself in the mirror. Who'd get you in and out of your chair? Uh, the nurses would come in and help me. Right on. And everything. And PT was still allowed to come in, which was a blessing. Gave me something to do. But there was one point where, you know, I can't feel anything below, like, my nipples, basically. Yeah. But all of a sudden, one day, like, three days into COVID, I can feel everything. But it ain't pleasant at all. It's, like, the worst nerve pain. Like, ghost legs? Muscle legs. Yeah. Kind of ghost leg. That's, like, where a vet would, like, lose their foot. Okay. And then they'd be like, my toe fucking hurts. Yeah. My right toe fucking hurts. And like, dude, you don't have a foot. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. My right toe hurts like a motherfucker. But my nervous system is on fire right now. So I didn't get out of bed this whole day. And I'm like trying to sleep it off. And I'm laying there and I get woken up to the Stanley Cup is at Craig. The Stanley Cup is here. And I'm laying there in bed and I'm just like, you got to be fucking kidding me i have covid and the stanley cup is here i watched every game i was so stoked when the abs won it and the nurses roll me over to the window and i get to just watch everybody at craig go up and hold the stanley cup up and sit there with it and spend some time with it and i'm just i'm pretty pissed off or disappointed to say the least yeah but I have this, I have a Joe Sackett jersey hanging up in my window. And it just so happened, Joe Sackett is the guy that brought the Stanley Cup. And his wife is like pointing up at me, waving at me. I'm like, oh, hi, hi. And all of a sudden, everybody's done with Stanley Cup. And Joe Sackett comes walking over towards my window. And he like holds the Stanley Cup up for me. It was pretty special to have that. And then he comes into the building and apparently tries to come up to my room to like meet me and let me hold the Stanley Cup because I didn't get to go down. Yeah. But I got COVID. Yeah. So they wouldn't let him in. Fucking COVID. And of course, this happens to be the day that my mom leaves. My mom never would leave me. But since I had COVID, she's like, I'm going home. She's not there. And my dad and brother, who also were always there, had just left an hour ago. To go to Bozeman to move all my shit out of my house. So none of my family's there to go hold the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and I'm just like, yep, this is how it is, man. This is just how it is. I'm just getting dicked on. All right, so what happens next? Damn. I get out of COVID. Luckily, nothing nothing bad happened to me. And I'm just doing PT every day. Like, I mean, my schedule is hectic, dude. You got two to three different one-hour sections of PT, and then you're meeting with a therapist some most days, and then you're meeting with a dietitian, and then you're meeting with various nurses. You're eating lunch. You're eating breakfast. And I mean, from 7 in the morning to about 5 at in the evening every single day, it's just go, 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 yeah. go. And it's great. I mean, it keeps your mind off of it, but it's exhausting. And I'm already getting turned every two hours at night. 
I'm not getting good sleep at all. Like I'm lucky to get like six hours of sleep a night, if that. So dude, I'm just wiped out at this point and I'm falling asleep at PT. Like if you leave me alone for five minutes, I'm asleep. Just Damn. in the chair, dude. Like I'm fucking down and out. But now I'm at the point where I can go on outings. Like I can get out of the hospital. How many months out are we now? We're two months. July. Yeah, we're two months. Okay. Two and a half months now. At this point, things are starting to look good for me. More or less. I mean, I'm breathing, I'm eating. But the shitty thing is right at the end of that COVID stint, my pressure sore reactivated. So I'm back on bed rest, baby. Like I just got to the point of freedom. I'm out and about, up in the chair, 12, 14 hours a day, you know. And now they're like, okay, back to bed. So I basically had to restart over again with the chair. And like the chair is my way to freedom at this point. So I'm back to laying in bed, back to up in the chair for two hours a day. Next week, okay, you get four hours a day. Slowly working my way back up. And I don't know, this the whole time I was at Craig, I kind of just kept going through these crazy waves of like, okay, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Oh, I'm doing great. Like, okay, hell yeah, I feel feel awesome. And then bam, everything's taken away again. Back to square one. I'm like, fuck this shit. This sucks. Like, I hate doing this. Like, I don't want to keep doing it, you know, but you got to and build it back up. I'd get freedom and then back into COVID, you know, and I keep going through all this shit, but I build it back up and I keep going on outings. I got to go to, I got to go to a Broncos game with Craig. They took me to the shooting range and I got to shoot some guns, which was really cool. And like, they've just been getting me back out and doing the things I've wanted to do. There are a lot of outings I missed. They're going to take me fishing, but COVID and all that, they're going to try to take me kayaking, pressure sore, but all these opportunities are still available to me, which is really cool. And then my pressure sore has kind of just been a thing that kept coming up for me. It was the same spot. It'd get healed and then one thing would happen and it'd be back and they'd be like, oh, back on bed rest. And I was supposed to leave Craig September 14th, but then my pressure sort of kicked back in, like, not much before I was supposed to leave. So they bumped it back to the end of September. And when you leave Craig, you can go into what's called outpatient. So I graduated, is what they call it, graduating. I moved out of the hospital, and we literally just moved to the next building over. And this is where, like, me and my family lived in this tiny one-room apartment, let's say. Kind of like a hotel room. You and the whole fam? Whole fam. All four of us. And we lived there for two weeks. Brutal. And it, it was brutal. It's tight space. And we got all my medical stuff. And then we got my dad. We got to accommodate for, like, how my dad lives, how my mom lives, how my brother lives, how I live now. But they do this so that... You can learn how to take care of me and live as live as a family again with still having the help of Craig 
and still getting to do some PT. So I was still going to Craig for these last two weeks and getting help from various therapists and whatnot. But it was it was helpful to have this stage because the family gets to, my parents and brother get to learn how to like take care of me without any nurses. Yeah. Because like up to this point, it's all mostly nurses taking care of me. So it was super helpful. And it's a lot of work. It's easy, but it's just time consuming. And we do that for two weeks. And then we finally get to go home. Finally, man, like stoked to get home. And we get home. And so the funniest thing was we get home and we got to have a ramp to get up into my room or into the house. You know, the ramp into the garage didn't fit. The ramp up into our front door. We have like a little patio out there or a small little deck. It didn't fit from like the driveway over the deck into the front door. So they had to start cutting the deck apart. So I was just sitting in the driveway for like two hours, <laughs> just sitting there. Couldn't get in the house. And I'm just like, hanging out. Like, what, what am I supposed to fucking do right now? But then we get into the house finally. And my room is up two flight of stairs. All the showers are up two flight of stairs. So I'm living in between the kitchen and the living room in what used to be the dining room. That's my new bedroom. But it's all just like open floor. And it's fucking weird, man. Living where everybody else is kind of just like yeah. roaming around, not having your own spot. Yeah. And these first like this first week being home was probably like the lowest I've ever been. You'd think it'd be the opposite. You'd be all stoked to be home, you know? But it's like, I just left Craig a bubble. Like, the biggest bubble of my entire life, you know? There's, all of a sudden, there's nobody else in wheelchairs. There's no nurses around. We're all on our own. And it was tough. It was really tough being home at first. But luckily, I was able to, like, go roam around on the golf course. And, like, just drive on the golf cart path so i was able to get outside which is what i love to do you know and after a week i definitely got better and it's just been getting better and better ever since i've been home now i'm trying to figure out things to do in the winter time now there's construction at at my parents house because they're doing an addition so i can have a bedroom and a bathroom and a shower downstairs. So it's just loud. And I'm trying to find like things to do. I mean, me and Lewis had to escape to the library today. Yeah. So there's been a long road. And it's going to keep Long road ahead. A long road forever, you know. But it, it's a good grind to be on. What are the best ways that uh, people can support you around you? Like... In person or anywhere? Both. I mean, something that's like really helped me out. Like, I'm having bad days. Getting like a good phone call in with somebody and just talking to a good friend really can boost my morale. I ain't gonna lie. Like, that shit gets me stoked. Just talking to friends. But like, to support me, if you're in person, just hanging out, going and doing things, acting like 
nothing happened almost, you know? Yeah. Not like making a big deal about it. Yeah. And just having fun. That 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 helps a ton for me. As well as like, you know, helping out with like feeding or anything like that is huge. Wanting to learn about it. And then, I mean, I can't thank everybody enough because we set up a GoFundMe for all this. And the amount of people that have donated and supported me is insane. I mean, it, it's unreal. Last I looked, it was like 26 grand or something like that. Yeah. And it's other people have given me other like, donations yeah. that aren't even like... Yeah. I've gotten donations from like foundations and stuff. And we're actually soon having a uh, fundraiser event, I guess, to help because this edition ain't cheap, you know, yeah. to help the family out with that. So like the Vale Valley Foundation is setting up this fundraiser event, silent auction, I believe. That's supposed to be January 11th and stuff like that, man, just donating or just giving me a call. Talking to friends, it's an amazing thing. Obviously, you're not a sensitive person, but, like, what shit do you not want to hear? What do you mean not want to hear? I mean, like, is there anything that you know you don't you don't want to be told or, like, anything like that? Not really, dude. Like, I joke about so much shit about this. Like, yeah. I got a really weird sense of humor. Yeah. And, I mean, I've kind of just tried to, like, be happy about it all and yeah. laugh about it all. That's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with it on my own. Like, I'm fighting demons every fucking night. And there ain't really anything you can do or say at this point that is going to, like, hurt me. Yeah. That much, you know? Like, I've already been through it all. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's good. I mean, I'm strong as hell now. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the silver lining right there. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I also hope that like I've helped other people out with like a new perspective and understanding that things can change quick. Yeah. This shit can change real I quick. I sure as shit ain't taking anything for granted anymore. Yeah. Um. It's been one hell of a ride. Yeah, man. Is there anything you'd like to leave it on? I mean, I'm just, I'm speechless at the community that's rallied around it. I have so much love and respect for everybody out there. And I can't wait to go on more adventures. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't wait to keep seeing you. Yeah. A lot of new things to come. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Thanks for our first uh, revamped episode of the Gallatin Valley Effect. Yeah. We're back. We're back, baby. Peace out, everyone. Cheers.